0: And welcome to this crossover edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On Chicago Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On Chicago Blackhawks podcast your first listens of the day. For everyone on the Chicago Blackhawks feed, let me introduce myself. My name is Armando Velez. Uh, I'm the host of Locked On Panthers. and from PantherParkway.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at on the man 12th and very thankful once again to be linking up with my my good friend and anyone who's heard me on this show uh since I started uh has heard uh this person's voice plenty of times on the podcast. So, uh great to be linking up with my friend and Chicago native uh Jack Bushman, host of Lockdown Blackhawks. Jack, how are you doing, man?
1: Armando, I'm doing well, buddy. Um the Blackhawks are on a little bit of a skid right now, but uh... Honestly, it's kind of felt like that for the entire season. So, kind of the same ish, different day, if you know what I mean.
0: Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're going through the lulls of a of a uh, tough season, sometimes um, just inching closer and closer to like the finish. Whenever a season is not going your way, so I, I could definitely imagine uh, your 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 feeling towards that. So, so people listening, so people watching this on the YouTube, um, so. On on this uh on this day it was supposed to be opening day for baseball. So, people watching on the YouTube feed, I have my Marlins uh polo, and he's got Jack has got his Chicago Cubs hockey jersey. So it's pretty pretty cool. A uh, little aesthetic uh there when when it comes to the jersey, pretty cool, man. I gotta get gotta get some type of Marlins hockey jersey for myself.
1: Yeah, I don't know where they sell these or whatnot. I got it as a Christmas gift a few years back. I really don't wear it all that often, but when I do, it always puts a good smile on my face. I absolutely love it. The color pops too. I love the Cubs logo. Unfortunately, my boy Chris Bryant's no longer around, but uh, I'm going to keep repping this jersey until I can anymore, basically.
0: Mm. My Marlins jersey that I have has no name on the back. And because the the (laughs) amount of turnover there is on the team historically, it's the smart idea to get no name on the back.
1: So, I was just about to say that's that's probably a safe bet given how the Marlins have been going the last few years. Although they did get the best of my Chicago Cubs in that uh, wild card playing game a couple years ago, which is still like, giving me nightmares.
0: You mean the you mean the COVID season? That doesn't really count <laughs> because if they actually uh, if they actually played a regular season, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. You mean?
1: Yes, that's what I mean.
0: Okay. Okay. So I, I tell people that all the time and people kind of roll their eyes, but it's the truth, but let's, let's talk about, let's talk about some hockey, uh, here for, uh, for, for this part of the podcast enough about the baseball, but Hey, opening days in a few weeks, the lockout being, being over, but Hey, um, so, um, Florida Panthers and Chicago Blackhawks, they'll be, uh, playing their second game of this uh, season series after, of course, they played against each other eight times, uh, last <laughs> year. So, First thing I wanted to get to first is the conversation about the Kyles, uh, Kyle Davidson uh, um, for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, so the GM meetings are currently going on in uh, South Florida right now, and of course the, the whole drama between the two Kyles uh, in Toronto and Chicago. Um, I was li- I was listening to the Athletic today, and they were talking about how Kyle Davidson like kind of came out and talked about kind of the leaks that happened. Uh, between the whole Mark Andre Fleury uh, trade uh, with Toronto and him not wanting to go there, leaks were coming out of Chicago, and then I saw something saying that Kyle Davidson was actually kind of apologizing for some of the rumors that got out there. I mean, I get he's a new GM and he's uh, this is the first time doing it. I mean, he's been with the organization since their second uh, cup run of the three, from what I saw. But do you think that's worthy of an of an apology out in public when it comes to Uh, trade rumors based on the recent trade deadline?
1: Honestly, I I thought this whole thing kind of got blown out of proportion. I I will give, you know, some kudos to Kyle Davidson for addressing this in the GM meetings. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I don't. I didn't personally read anything that said he apologized. Maybe that's out there and I just haven't read it yet. I don't know if he did that. Um, but assuming he did, I think that was just him kind of taking the high road. You know, he's a new general manager in this league. He doesn't want to get off on the wrong foot with anybody. Um, but as for that news kind of getting leaked, I don't really know if it was Kyle Davidson who was the one who leaked it. Like I saw it from a bunch of uh news sources I think Frank Saravalli tweeted it out originally and I saw it from a couple Blackhawks accounts as well so I I don't know if Kyle Davidson even leaked that sort of information or how that kind of came about and how the world became aware of that situation and all of it but yeah I thought it was kind of uh, a little overblown I was really mostly kind of miffed with kyle dubas going on the air and like being like oh that's a question you're gonna to have to ask kyle davidson it was like dude like this isn't all that serious like you didn't get the the goaltender that you wanted and, and now people know like is that i mean maybe that's gonna be a little bit of a detriment to your goaltender department when they think you know oh maybe our general manager doesn't think we're good enough he's gonna to have to bring someone else in but at the same time peter mraz got put on waivers like i think the next day so like I don't know. Me personally, I thought it was a little bit overblown. I I do think um, Kyle Davidson probably just took the high road and if he did apologize. um, But I was glad to see that he kind of addressed that in the GM meetings. It wasn't something that he was going to kind of let lurk. I think he wanted to get it out of the way. Um, And from what I read, I think the Kyles have have made amends there, but it definitely made for a funny situation. I don't know if you saw the clip. Um, The Blackhawks were playing. I want to say it might've been the Ducks. Yeah, it was the Anaheim Ducks. They were playing them on TNT and uh it was Anson Carter. Who's on the TNT uh, broadcast team. He asked Patrick Kane before, before the matchup who he thought would win in a fight, Kyle Dubas or Kyle Davidson. <laughs> it was just a super funny moment. So oh uh, honestly, I do think moments like that are like kind of good for the sport, whether or yeah, not it's please actually please. like a real situation or not. Fans are definitely intrigued by that kind of stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I, I didn't think it was anything too serious. And, um, honestly, I think moving forward, we're, we're probably not going to hear too much more about that situation, but it definitely was a bit funny.
0: Mm-hmm. Like you said, they made amends, so maybe we might see a, uh, Hawks, uh, Leafs trade in the future and it's like, okay, then that was not a, a big deal at all. So, uh, the one thing we talked about pre-recording, um, that I want to also mention on the, on the podcast, uh. I did not watch a single second of the Hawks-Sabers uh, game, but I did see that highlight <laughs> at the very end of the puck bouncing off the skate of Lincoln and after uh, bouncing off the boards. How was how, how, how that moment like? I want I to hear it from you for the locked-on uh, Panthers feed.
1: Uh. Yeah, it was tough, man. I was in attendance at the United Center for that game. It was a very fun uh, atmosphere for about 30 minutes there. Um, But, yeah, I was literally like seven rows back of Kevin Lankan and watching him kick that puck, and it was probably the worst game-winning goal that's ever been scored. Like, it was Tage Thompson tries to blast a one-timer, his stick snaps in half, and, of course, it just hits that perfect angle off the end boards where it bounces right to the front of the net. and honestly – he was way out of position on that play he was far too he was way too far out of his net got a little bit scrambly which is something that he's been guilty of far too many times this season losing his net not being in the right position um and just to watch him kick that in i mean uh it, it really kind of Summed up the Blackhawks' entire season, right? Putting the puck into their own, not doing themselves no favors in crunch times of games. Not only did they blow uh, a four nothing lead in that one to Buffalo, but also in their meeting on Saturday against the Vegas Golden Knights, they were in control of that game, up three to nothing after forty minutes. And we were like, "Oh my gosh, Blackhawks look great! They're taking it to a desperate." Vegas Golden Knights team that's really trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. And then, literally, in the blink of an eye, not even four minutes into the third period, the game's tied up three to three, and the Blackhawks wind up losing five to four in overtime. But, Armando, that's really been the story of the season for the Chicago Blackhawks. They have flashes, which I think we're going to get into uh, in a little bit potentially, against the Florida Panthers in that first meeting where they held Florida to three shots on goal in the first period. I don't know if this is still the case, but I know at the time of that meeting, that was the lowest amount of shots on goal the Panthers had recorded in an opening 20 minutes. So the Blackhawks can, can look like a great team at one moment, and then all of a sudden, they can look like the bottom of the barrel in the next. The inability to put together a consistent 60 minute effort. I was just saying this on my show a couple days ago. I honest to God don't know if they've put together a complete 60 minute game from start to finish. It seems like anytime they go up four to nothing, three to nothing, they allow the team to get right back in the game. So that's definitely something they're going to need to work on going through these rebuilding stages. Um, They just, haven't found ways to kind of relax and take that deep breath when things aren't going their way and they let things spiral out of control and it's happened in the most embarrassing fashion in their last two games against Vegas and uh Buffalo coming into this one
0: Mm -hmm. and um and funny enough with uh both those uh games that you were talking about both of them happen uh one of them happens to be a road um what happened to be the road game at Vegas. The other one was happened to be at home against Buffalo. And something I looked at right before um, recording is that the power play percentage for the Chicago Blackhawks is actually 4% better on the road than it is at home. Um, their rec- overall record uh, is better. Goal differential doesn't tell the whole story, but minus 21 on the road versus minus 30 at home. So a little bit better. Uh, so, uh, and honestly uh, they're scoring more goals with three less shots on goal per game on the road. So really, really hard to put the, the finger on like what's really getting the Blackhawks really energized on the road versus at, at home. I mean, I guess it's uh, I guess when you're coming to the rink every single day and it's like the consistent and not, not getting the results you want, but then you're together with your guys on the road, you can't, you can't really separate as much as you want on the road. So I guess that's really what it, I guess that's kind of like, maybe part of it, why they perform a little bit better on the road. I don't know if there's an exact answer to that.
1: Yeah, I don't really either. This team is just about as random as you can get. Like I said, sometimes they look great against the top teams in the league. Heck, in the two of their last meetings against the Colorado Avalanche, this came a couple months ago, but they were right there in both of them and then go out and lose 6-5 to to the Lowly Savers, blow a 4 nothing lead. I can't really even say the Lowly Savers because they, they have the same amount of points as the Blackhawks do, but that's the boat we're in. I mean... Each and every night, it can be something different. And honestly, Armando, this game could be six to one Panthers, or it could be four to three Panthers, and I wouldn't be surprised either way because that's how things go for the Chicago Blacks Blackhawks this year. You just never know, my friend.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure, and we'll talk. We'll talk more about the the game in the third segment and the future of both teams. Um, but in the next, and the, we're going to actually transition over to the next segment where Jack is going to uh discuss um ask me some of the questions in relation to the florida panthers but first we're gonna tell you all about bet online after months of playing college basketball has determined the top teams for the final four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from all the latest odds contests and player props you name it bet online remains the best spot for all your sports development including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season it's not just basketball Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts.
1: All right, Armando, I got a couple of questions for you, buddy, about the Florida Panthers obviously having basically the polar opposite season that the Chicago Blackhawks are only have 15 losses on the season. And I believe they only have two in regulation in the month of March. So things just keep on going here for this team. They're red hot and they made a big time couple of splashes at the trade deadline. I got to ask you about Claude Giroux and how that's been looking so far. I mean, Maybe the biggest name that got dealt, not to be biased, aside from maybe Mark andre Fleury. Um, but, I mean, a ton of news about where Claude was going to go. There was a report, like, a couple of days before the trade actually became official that he was going to the Panthers. It was kind of an, a whole weird situation, but they wind up getting him. How much better do you think he makes this team, and where is he kind of slotting in the lineup right now and, and helping this team out?
0: Right now he's on the right wing with uh, Alexander Barkov, and here's the awesome part about it. Barkov's left, um, a left shot uh, center, while Claude Drew is um, a right shot center slash wing. So depending on which side the faceoff is taken, so you have both, both guys who can do it on each end, and it's, it's a luxury for it. And Claude Drew this year is having a career high in the, in the, in the dot at 61% when his career average is 55%. Uh, um, right now, five points in four games, all of them um, coming th- with assists. And with Aaron Ekblad out, um, right now the Florida Panthers are running a five-forward power play unit. I mean, they scored in the first two games. Uh, Claude Drew uh, had a beautiful, beautiful assist to Anthony Duclair on Saturday against Ottawa, and he just ripped the one-timer. But they haven't scored a power play goal since. He hasn't gotten a goal, but he had quite a, he's had quite a few chances, and you kind of see – how he sets the pace for 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 this team because Alexander Barkov has been looking for a friend on that right wing this whole season. They've even though Anthony Duclair is more than capable of being on that right side, he's better suited on that second line with Sam Bennett and Jonathan Huberdeau. Um, so you you don't have to be consistently shuffling Anthony Duclair on the top line and then going back to the second line and having a spot a spot. Uh, a spot Player in there. Sometimes it would have been like Maxim mammon Sometimes it would it was Mason Marchment. Other other times. So now they there's that consistency there that that guy is going to be there. And in situations like Tuesday night, where um one of their bottom six centers goes out, and Nolachari still no update on Nolachari by the way of his status after his injury on Tuesday against Montreal. So, floor um they had to shift some centers down to the other lines, and Claude Giroux um shifted down. We saw a little bit of Sam Reinhart playing some center too, And Sam Bennett can play as well. So there's different flexibilities when it comes to positioning so that even when an injury happens, like what what we had with uh just the other day, they can quickly make those adjustments. And even <laughs> weird to say, uh Ryan Lomberg was playing top six minutes on Tuesday <laughs> of, of all people to play top six minutes. So uh Andrew Burnett has really learned to put um to implement his own uh stamp on on, on, on this team. Uh just doing his own line combos and sometimes whenever desperate situations ha- happen, uh, putting Barkoff and Huberto uh, together. Now Barkoff, Huberto and Giroux, it, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just uh, an embarrassment of riches is what I like to
1: say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the next thing I was going to ask you about was after the moves that the Panthers made at the deadline, do you feel like aside from the goaltender position, we're going to, I want to ask you about that in just a second as well, but in terms of forwards and defensemen do you feel like they did everything you wanted to in in terms of getting ready for this playoff push in a very tough eastern conference what what did you like was there anything you didn't like and overall like were you happy with the way the the panthers went about things
0: of course claude drew is the biggest piece when it comes to uh trades but my mindset was always this whole time get a defenseman that's at least top four and claude drew was always going to be the bonus when it comes to when it comes to getting a trade never i never really actually believed that it was going to happen until like a few days saying that claudrew is deciding florida and florida only i'm like oh this is going to be a reality and it it was just like hard not to get excited of course they got ben Sharat. they uh they uh traded a 2023 first for uh Had um had had a uh, it. put a shot at the net and then um, the other day against Montreal and then Sam Bennett uh, cleaned it up right in front of the net. So created a good play on the other end, and, kind of saw um, and there was a, there, there was a breakaway that Cole Caulfield had last week in their road game. And you just see Ben Chirot just spinning his former teammate around, just stealing the puck. I'm like, okay, some say some don't necessarily agree with the analytics uh, of Ben Chirot, but of course, uh, Sam Bennett and Brandon Montour didn't have the best analytics last year. And then when they went to new situations in Florida, uh, their, their play improved. And so so that, that, um, that just uh, goes to show that it's not the end-all, be-all when it comes to that. But uh, new situations can really help uh, uh, different people. And, of course, the LTIR space that they had for Aaron Ekblad's injury, they're able to get more defensive depth in Robert Haig, who's now on the third pairing. Um, now with Brandon Montour and was a part of that three-way trade uh, with um, Carolina and Columbus to bring Max Domi to Carolina and they got a six-round pick out of it. So that Robert Haig trade was basically for free because they gave a six to Buffalo. So they gained a six back in that three-way trade using their LTIR space for Aaron Eckblad. So I can't complain about the Tampa Bay Lightning using LTIR anymore. Now that <laughs> my, uh, uh, my The team that I root for is benefiting from it. So I I've, I've been a little humbled when it comes to LTIR.
1: Yeah, I mean you gotta do what you gotta do. And apparently in the GM meetings, none of the 32 teams had an issue with it. So it seems like it could be still a thing going forward. And hey, us Blackhawks fans can't complain about it either because Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, well not true, but that that was big. That was big. But mm-hmm. what I was gonna say was Tampa Bay recently, uh, this past offseason gave us Tyler Johnson and a second round pick For Brent Seabrook, who's retired, they literally wanted his money to be on LTIR so they could make room financially. So, hey, we get a free second round pick and a player out of it. Unfortunately, it's been a tough year for Tyler Johnson. He's been injury plagued, played like 15 games all season long. But really what we care about now in this rebuild is that second round pick. So I'm okay with LTIR. The Blackhawks aren't competing anytime soon. We'll take advantage of teams who desperately need some financial wiggle room. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of the Panthers, I feel like I ask you about this every time uh, we get on the show, but I really do feel like it's the make-or-break portion of this Florida Panthers team, and that's in goal. And Sergei Bobrovsky, when you look at the wins and losses, I mean, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. The guy's 32-6-3. That, that's amazing. But some of the numbers, I mean, nine fourteen save percentage certainly isn't bad. this is a high-scoring team that likes to play back-and-forth type of hockey, I feel like. But how are you feeling about Sergei Bobrovsky heading into, I mean, this has to feel like the Panthers' best chance. Like, they were great last year, don't get me wrong, but now with the pieces and the additions that they made, this certainly has to feel like their best chance of actually going out and winning the darn thing. So how do you feel about Sergei Bobrovsky being the guy going into that postseason? Because we all know... If you don't get goaltending in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you don't stand a chance.
0: Yeah, um, Bobrovsky won't admit this publicly, but when Spencer Knight entered those last two games for the Panthers, he was probably pissed. Pissed at himself um for for not playing so well. I mean, the Florida Panthers didn't do him any favors by not staying out of the box against Tampa Bay and they capitalized quite a lot. Of- a lot of time. as
1: that power play tends to do.
0: Yeah. So, um, Chris Drieger didn't play well, neither last year. And then Spencer Knight was just the last guy standing. So he was pissed last year. Um, so he had, he went back to the drawing board. He went, went off social media. He, he's not on social media anymore. So he went back to to train and it's, it's resulted in this, uh, this, uh, bounce back season. I mean, it, it, hel- it helps that Spencer Knight hasn't had the best season. 904, save percentage, 2.94 goals against average up and down in the um, AHL this year. He's, he's had two shutouts in the AHL this year. Comes back on their Western uh, road trip. Uh, he gets a, his first shutout in Anaheim just a, a few weeks ago, short, um, shortly before the trade deadline. So there's confidence in that uh, goalie group for uh, the Panthers. And, of course, um, Bobrovsky doesn't have the best uh, playoff record, um, uh, even though goalie wins isn't really something that I try to refer to because it's inexact. When it comes, it's just like pitcher wins in baseball and QB wins. Uh, But, but tell me how you really feel. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not. I'm not a big uh, individual wins person. It's more like a team stat for me. That's really my mindset. That's why hockey's
1: the best. Yeah,
0: that's why. So I just think with the variables of being able to score uh, is not going to put a lot of pressure on Bobrovsky. But games do slow down in the playoffs. There's going to be more low scoring games. Are the Panthers going to find a way to break through? uh when it's like 2-2 near the end of the third period and then is Bobrovsky going to be able to make that stop and it's been it's been such a bounce back it's been so night and day this season between the first two seasons that Bobrovsky has been under um the Florida Panthers I mean after this year he's gonna have four years left on that <laughs> contract so it if they win it if they win it all nobody's gonna talk about that cap hit anymore for the Panthers so uh they have the team to do it um Brabowski has come up big when needed. I mean, just Tuesday night, um, the Montreal Canadiens had 13 shots on goal in the first period. Um, one uh, one that he let through was on a uh, breakaway by Montreal. And the Florida Panthers right in front of them, they only give up 11 shots on goal the rest of the way. I know it's the Canadiens that we're talking about, but still, there have been times where the Florida Panthers have, haven't allowed many shots on goal going on the other end. And if his workload is lessened as well due to the amazing possession <laughs> metrics that uh, you look up any possession metrics for the Florida Panthers. They're one of the tops. They're tops in shots on goal as well in the, in the NHL along with goals per game. So that is a really big contributing factor in lessening his workload and not, um, not hopefully that not being a crutch.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like the team in front of him is built to have him not get peppered all the time. And we've seen Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, I know it was probably a couple of years ago when he was considered one of the best goaltenders in the league. But if you give him this team in front of him, you got to feel like he's going to be able to refine that, re- refine that spark. Um, so, I mean, it should be interesting come Stanley cup playoff time, hopefully for a Panthers fan's sake, he he's going to be the guy and you won't have to have that conversation about Spencer Knight coming in once again because even though it has worked for some teams in the past, the Pittsburgh Penguins are one of those where they kind of still won the Stanley Cup despite bouncing between Matt Murray and Marc-Andre Fleury, but I feel like you want to have that one guy set in stone yep. come postseason time. So it sounds like Bobrovsky, for the most part, has been able to do that.
0: Yeah, and uh, right now, if game one were tomorrow, he's the guy uh, starting. Last year, uh, if you were to ask uh, if game one were tomorrow, it'd be a coin flip. So that's, we, we, we've come a little bit, uh, we've come pretty far since uh, last uh, playoffs. And um, we talk, um, I discuss things about when it comes to the stages of a contender versus when it comes to tearing it down at the beginning versus being a contender. The Florida Panthers were in that second step of their building towards a championship which is actually a great segue to our next segment where we are going to talk about each team and their steps to building a championship contender. So we're going to discuss that all next on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and
1: Locked On Chicago Blackhawks podcast. Continuing this
0: conversation on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On, Chicago Blackhawks podcast I'm Armando Velas I got Jack Bushman here of Locked On Blackhawks so the four stages of rebuild of, of building a championship contender something that I talk about the teardown number 2 is figuring out the players you want to keep around or or build um or leave on the cusp is the third one and of course winning it all so the Florida Panthers um just last year a few of Let's actually rewind two years ago. They were in that Stanley Cup bubble, an 11th seed um, going up against the the New York Islanders, if I'm not mistaken. Um, um, Lose three to one in that. Coach Q's first year, still trying to figure out those many pieces. They were in step two at that time, of their of their contention uh, of them trying to build a championship contender. Now for the Panthers, they are on that three trying to break the four that's where that's literally where the Florida Panthers are at because they made their moves in the trade deadline last year, but it wasn't, there weren't pieces that were taking them over the top Um, or at least, I mean, could have been a different story. Had they beaten Tampa Bay, of course, but now these moves, just this past trade deadline is even a bigger splash than the previous time. Of course, Sam Bennett and Brandon Montour were the big ones last year. Claudio and Ben Chirot are the big ones this year. So when it comes to the stages of the build of this team, they're on step number three, trying to just punch through a wall to get to number four. For the Chicago Blackhawks, though, um, it's weird because they tear it down. They make a splash in set, um, trying to get Seth Jones, extend them, get Marc-Andre Fleury, of course, trade him because the season didn't go as planned. You have expiring contracts next year of Taze and Kane would you say that this is the Chicago Blackhawks are in the? I would I, I would guess that they were in the second step of their build, but what what says you about where they are as far as the steps in building a team?
1: Yeah, they're just kind of getting to that second level, I would say right now. Once Kyle Davidson officially came in, he gave a big press conference about how listen, we rushed we rushed through this process entirely too fast. He didn't you know, say Stan Bowman by name or blame him, but that's essentially what he was talking about when when he said, you know, this is gonna take three to five years. It's going to be a process. We have to draft better. We have to evaluate talent better. We got to change the way we've gone about things these last few years because clearly it hasn't been working, right? The Blackhawks haven't won a, a real Stanley Cup playoff series since hoisting the cup in twenty fifteen. Sure they beat the Edmonton Oilers in that COVID postseason, but we're not going to count that. It shouldn't count. It doesn't count in most places. As a 12th seed, too. Yes. if We were the last team in. The well, the second last team in. The last team in was actually the Montreal Canadiens. That's the way it goes. <laughs> but for the Blackhawks, they're definitely in that second stage right now where they're trying to figure out – how are they going to piece this roster back together? Who do we want to keep moving forward? Who is expendable at this point? And it's really kind of an interesting mesh there because when you're thinking three to five years down the road, right, you got to kind of consider that even though some of your best players, you know, some of the best players that you have right now, they're going to be closing in on 30 years old when the Blackhawks are essentially trying to be competitive again, right? So, really, no one is safe at this point. And I think that's what we saw in the Brandon Hagel trade, right? Like Brandon Hagel was a fan favorite here in Chicago, a guy who brought the energy night in and night out, did all of the little things. Well, we were just finally starting to see an uptick in production, but because we get such an enticing offer moving forward, you got to consider that because we're not thinking about right now. We're thinking three to five years down the road and how we're going to build this back better. So With Kyle Davidson doing that, it's the first time in a while where I've actually felt, okay, this is going to take a while. And I'm totally okay with that because the worst thing I think in professional sports is sitting in uh, purgatory. Being in the middle, not good enough to win it, not bad enough to get a good draft pick. I think that's the worst thing to do in sports. I know it's tough, and as as a fan, you always want your team to be trying to win but sometimes you got to look at the bigger picture and understand really what your odds are of making that run right and stan bowman Rastral. just yes yes stan bowman just could never look in the mirror i feel like and accept That this was going to be a process. I think he thought that his job, he was going to get canned before this whole thing played out, right? But now Kyle Davidson comes in, he's a fresh face and he's going to be judged off this rebuild. So he actually has motivation to not rush this process, to do it the right way, to save his job four or five years down the road, because if he doesn't do a good job, he's going to get the boot. I do feel confident though, that he's going about this the right way. And we are starting to see some of the Some of the players on this team, not exactly, you know, Patrick Kane, Alex Debrink, and Strome, have been carrying this team night in and night out. We know what those three provide at this point. The problem with the Blackhawks for the last few years is they haven't given them any supporting cast. They haven't given them any help at all. And now, based on the moves that Kyle Davidson has made, we're starting to see a couple of those, those type of players who, that's why I say we're just starting to get to that second stage, evaluating the talent that we want to keep. We get Taylor Radish from the Tampa Bay Lightning as part of that Brandon Hagel trade. We knew he played his junior career with Alex Debrinkin and Dylan Strome. He put up really good numbers there. Didn't really get much of an opportunity down in Tampa Bay. Comes to Chicago and in his first six games, very small sample size. I understand that. He's looked phenomenal move the puck well. He's been a part of the power play. He's chipped in for a couple goals already. He's making plays. He's a bigger guy who can throw his weight around a little bit and still provide a skill game. Those are the type of pieces that we need to start keeping on and adding to this lineup going forward. Another trade that Kyle Davidson himself made was trading Alex Nylander for Sam Lafferty, which at the time, I'm not going to lie to you, I was very disappointed with the return, mostly because we traded Henry Yoki a former first round pick for Alex Nylander a few years back. And then to essentially flip him for a, you know, a bottom six grinder, you're going to be disappointed with that type of return. But Sam Lafferty in two months is a fan favorite here in Chicago already. I mean, the dude is eerily similar to Brandon Hagel as well, where uh, Hagel last year in his first year as a rookie brought all the energy, like I said, was doing all the little things well. He just couldn't find the back of the net. Sam Lafferty is in that exact same boat this season. Like he's physical, he's getting into his opponent's faces. He's stepping up for his new teammates. And if he can have that uptick in production offensively, like we saw out of Hegel this year, we might have another very similar player on our hands. Now it's still too early to tell for sure, but those are the type of pieces you have to be enticed about at this stage. So we are, you know, despite the Blackhawks, Ups and downs roller coaster ride of a season. Literally every game feels like a roller coaster. Good first period, terrible second. That's just the way it goes. But despite that fact, I'm really intrigued with this patient approach, allowing some of the younger guys to get these opportunities, get bigger moments here in Chicago than they were, you know, in Tampa or in Pittsburgh, two very good teams right now. They can come into bigger situations and have larger roles. And I've liked what I've seen out of those guys in particular. So I don't have a problem with the Blackhawks being in this stage right now, right? It's going to cost them some wins, but we're not thinking about that right now. Again, we're thinking three to five years down the road. It's not the greatest spot to be in as a fan, but I'll tell you what, with Kyle Davidson leading the charge as general manager and not Stan Bowman, I think people are actually going to buy into what he's talking about and the moves that he's made so far. Not only can he talk the talk and he said all the right things, but he's done it based on his moves as well. So I think Blackhawks fans kind of think Kyle Davidson is a breath of fresh air And uh, I'm excited about this whole process. I know there hasn't been much to be excited about as a Blackhawks fan for quite a while. um, But this is the first time where I'm really intrigued to see how this team is going to go about a rebuild. But getting into Florida, Armando, completely different situation. What I wanted to ask, two things. How are, um, how is kind of the fan base, like, are people bought into the Florida Panthers in that area? I know it's tough you know, with, with hockey down in Florida and it's not Tampa Bay. It's a different situation, a different uh, city. I'm curious, like, are, are people excited about the Panthers? Like, is it getting a hockey feel down there or what, what's kind of the feel? Is it, you know, is it starting to ramp up at all?
0: It's starting to ramp up, definitely. Um, there, there's a difference between, um, of course, Twitter versus in person. Uh, of course, I'm, I, I see it in my feed, like, literally all the time of be, being involved with this team. But of course, if you uh, um, drive around uh, Broward County, you'll see spots, uh, spots uh, Florida Panthers stuff around on license plates and flags and all that. Dade County, the county south of it, not so much. Uh, it's going to take a little it's going to take winning for that county to buy in. And me as a, a Dade County native, um, it, the, the, the South Florida fan base in general is fair weather. Um, there's a lot to do, and uh, in in that city. And if they're not p- providing a consistent winning product, um, it's hard for for many people to buy in. But of course, that playoff series last year against the Tampa Bay Lightning and how thrilling it was—it created some new fans. And I'm an example. I am. I am personally am an example of a of a Florida Panthers team making the playoffs and becoming a fan. Like 2012 was the year that I started buying into hockey in general, and that and. Let's not forget what early 2010s was in South Florida. That was the big three era of the Miami Heat, too, when they were at their peak. So so, so the Florida Panthers and that was, but also that was a Florida Panthers team that was set to pop po- um, they were set to tank uh, after drafting Jonathan Huberto in 2011. They uh that was when the divisions were uh, even if you had a lower uh, record at that time in the Southeast division, you still get a top three seed. So that's what happened with the Panthers. But hey, it created a fan in someone uh, like me. So that's another thing. It created uh, their playoff run. Even though they lost in the first round, they created some fans around and, and a little bit of a buzz. I mean, it helps that the Miami Heat are good uh, when it comes to. Um, excuse me. Doesn't help that the Miami Heat are good. So a lot of their games are going on at the same time. Um, so the the Heat have the culture there. They've had it for ever since ever since Pat Riley came in nineteen ninety five. So when the Heat are consistently good, more people are obviously going to attract to it versus a team that hasn't won since '96. But it's slowly getting there. Um, they see the winning. They see they see the moves that the, the commitment to wanting to win. They're building a new practice facility facility in downtown Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we don't know how the stadium situation is going to work. They their their last year of their current contract is 2028. So. Definitely a team that was been rumored in relocation just a few years ago. Now they're winning. And now, of course, if you bring a championship to this region, it, it, it creates a better vibe, of course, in the in the region. It, it's uh, it it shuts down all those relocation rumors, pro- probably for many decades, too. And um yeah, the, the, the people are people are buying in Uh and all it takes. All it takes is winning a a playoff series, and you'll he- probably hear it nonstop on the local news. it's It's really hard to get um, it's really hard to get local coverage of the of the team um on the, your local news. They will spend like thirty seconds on the Panthers and then move on to something else, and then it'll be the Heat, of course. So, of course, when it comes to culture, uh, when it comes to um, the Heat culture there, I mean, I, I kind of understand too.
1: Yeah, I, I really hope though it it should be only a matter of time before it just keeps going because the Panthers are really set up for this to be a very competitive team for quite a while. And Mm. I'm not even just saying, I was literally thinking about this before the broadcast. I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, of course, the host of lockdown Panthers, but I really want the Florida Panthers to win it all. Like I, I really do. It would be so big for the sport in that area. Right. I, and, and it's been of like, a fun outside process to watch something that gives you hope in a team like the Blackhawks who are in the rebuilding stages. Like you've seen the talent start to come and come together. Originally it was, you know uh, just Barkov and Huberto originally they've added a ton of pieces around them. Um, it seems like every time they make a trade from an, uh, an acquire a piece from another team, he comes in and, and fits really well. Sam Bennett, Anthony Duclair, former Blackhawk who i really wish Stan Bowman didn't quit on after 20 games for another day, but I really do hope the Florida Panthers, it would just be so good for the game, right? Like mm-hmm. it would be so awesome. And I just think that that type of young team, they're going to be competitive for a while. And I think eventually that's going to start reciprocating in the area. I know you said it's already starting to happen a little bit, but when the playoff wins come and I think they're coming and I won't, Probably am not the only one. I know I'm not the only one. I think more and more people are going to buy in. So I hope that's a situation that unfolds in a little bit. Um, hopefully, not too long. Hopefully, this year when the Panthers put together a pretty darn good run. Last question, Armando, I got for you is about the Florida Panthers playoff run. In a very tough Eastern Conference where we've seen a lot of flip flopping in divisions, I wanted to ask what is kind of your ideal first round matchup for Washington. the Florida Panthers? Washington? Why?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I just think when it comes to the balance of the lineup, of course you have Alex Ovechkin, Tom Wilson, and all that, but everything mostly the the lineup be- below that after Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie, it's uh it's very questionable roster with their uh, bottom six um, as well. Um, and of course the goaltending situation um in, in Washington as well. It's not as strong. It's not as strong as if the Panthers were to face because there's gonna be four Atlantic division teams who are gonna make it. And right now the two through four are separated by a point or two. So uh Washington is the team that I prefer to to see instead because Tampa Bay can easily go into the first wild card spot and you have a battle of Florida again in round one. So I was yeah. I was going to so, ask you
1: about that too, is like Tampa Bay, like the, uh, the worst nightmare. You just want to not see it at all costs. Or do you understand that if you want to you gotta the get best, you got to beat the best,
0: you got to beat the best, but if you could avoid them in round one <laughs> and, and get ready and get that playoff win and getting your confidence, then then it, it changes, it changes everything versus starting off out of the gate. So that's kind of why I don't, it, it's, it's, it's likely going to happen again. It, it, I'm, I'm very, I'm like, I'm like 75% sure it's going to happen again. So, so it, it's just embrace it when it does come, you got to beat the best, but let them get that playoff series win first against a, a wild card team, a, a wild card team. And then, and then the mindset changes of the fan base, the team uh, podcasters like myself. (laughs) And of course, uh, right now there's a six uh, point separation, uh, with 16 games. So they're in the driver's seat. So, I'm so uh, although they lost both (laughs) games at home last year, um, in the battle of Florida, uh, I have a better feeling that they won't drop, uh, two of them, uh, this time around. So we'll see. So
1: it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see how that Eastern conference shakes out.
0: Oh, I, I I'm, I'm so excited for it. And we're just a few weeks away, but Jack, I want to thank you once again for uh, joining me on this crossover edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On Chicago Blackhawks podcast for my listeners. Tell them where they can find you online.
1: Absolutely, you can find the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast wherever you get your podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It's all hundred percent for free. If you want to check me out on Twitter, my personal account is at Jack underscore Bushman two. You can find me posting a lot of angry tweets about the Chicago Blackhawks blowing massive leads, uh, and probably a lot of golf stuff coming up because once the Blackhawks season is over in a month, it's all golf and playoff hockey for me, baby.
0: Yep. And the Masters is just a uh, few weeks away. Uh, one week away.
1: Yep. One week away.
0: Yep, one week away to be to be exact. And we'll you'll see uh, both uh, Jack and I tweeting that if you happen to follow us on Twitter. But anyways, man, thank thank you so much, and uh, in, enjoy the game. On, enjoy the game. On
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs>